Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute that needs resolution, you know that I recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Now, Barack, you not only handle litigation, but also serve as an arbitrator. Is that correct? It is, Dennis. Instead of going to court, two sides can hire an arbitrator to resolve the dispute. It's usually cheaper and a lot quicker. And we offer that service for a lot less than others. So what prompted you to start as an arbitrator? First, I discovered I was good at evaluating evidence and applying the law. People started asking us to handle more arbitrations. Second, I see an urgent need. The recent state budget crisis has shut down courtrooms. Cases that took at most a year will now take three to five years. Arbitration won't have that problem. Justice you shall seek. My friends, you know I trust Barack Lurie with my business and other legalities, and to make sure you get a fair resolution in your matter, call him to serve as your arbitrator at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Pursuing justice, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Park, 866-575-8111. Hi, this is Barack Lurie, and this is the Barack Lurie Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in with me, my good friend and producer, Ari David. Always a pleasure. We, um... You know, we're going to take a little bit of a different tack today, although, of course, it talks about our way of looking at the world and, and frankly, the way that the left, the far left, of course, looks at the world. And it's an important distinction, the left and the far left. I, I understand a lot of you uh, have what you consider to be liberal positions, but at the same time, um, you should be wary of those of your friends on the far, far left, because what is far, far left today might very well be mainstream liberal tomorrow. So if you like it, then fine. Uh, if you are concerned about it, then, well, maybe rethink about where you are today. All right, I want to talk to you about this recent article that came out from the New York Times. And it's an article uh, about working moms. All right, you with me so far? Uh, the government is an interesting animal, and this gentleman... Uh, and his name is Josh Barrow. Uh, it was, the article is from January 23rd, 2015. The title is Stay-at-Home Parents Already Get a Tax Preference. Now, this is in their uh, segment called The Upshot. And the, the basic gist of it, and I, I encourage you to read it, uh, the basic gist of it is that he wants to talk about tax breaks for working parents with children under five. And... He argues that some conservatives are criticizing that for discriminating against stay-at-home parents. Now, his response, and this is, this is where it all kind of relates to, his response is, well, gosh, stay-at-home parents already get a tax preference. So, in other words, Obama is wrong to give uh, both parents, uh, you know, two parents uh, who are working a tax break because the mother's already getting a tax break anyway by not working and therefore not paying tax taxes. And the article essentially encourages the thought process that we should tax the mother as though she were a nanny, let's say. And because after all, if, if you if you were working, if both uh, the husband and the wife were working and they hired a nanny, well then that nanny uh, would be making some money and she in turn would be paying taxes. Got it? Understood? 
Now, it seems like no big deal, um, because after all, uh, there's some logic to it. But here's the problem. Why not extend this argument to absolutely everything you can think of? What, uh, and the, by the argument, I mean, well, if <laughs> the stay-at-home mom should now pay taxes as though she were the nanny who is earning a certain amount of income because, you know, even though she's not getting it, the, the fact is the husband is, is, in a sense, paying the mother, the wife, his wife, to serve as nanny for the children. Therefore, she's she should pay. receiving an in-kind contributable income right. that she's earning tax-free at the point. That's the point. right, like a debt forgiveness sort of thing. That's, yeah. that's a taxable event, right? So in other words, you staying at home taking care of your kids is a taxable event. <clears throat> By the way, if you didn't have children and the mother stayed, the wife stayed at home without taking care of the kids, she should be taxed also? Well, yeah, because now she's a maid. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay, I, I get it. That, right? That's right away out. That's if right. she cleans. Well, let's assume she doesn't. Let's say she just uh, likes to go chat with her friends, and you know, and, and she's just, you know, they're very so wealthy. Half the time my maid hangs out, she chats. All right. Anyway, no, I'm saying you're right. It can't be applied to anything. Okay, so let's apply it to anything because the short-sightedness of this article reflects the short-sightedness of far-left thinking, generally speaking. Here we go. Why not apply this argument, right, to um, just, you know, let's say getting a cup of coffee, right? I mean, if you want to go to uh, Starbucks or Coffee Bean or such, you pay a hefty price. So uh, $4.50 some, in some cases, right? And, you know, you, maybe you, you do that once a day, twice a day. After a while, that's a lot of money. And you're depriving. If you buy a, your own coffee machine, exotic uh, coffee machine, well, then maybe you should still pay taxes because you, you, uh, you're depriving the coffee bean and Starbucks of, of all the money they would otherwise be earning, right? Let's, or, or what about... Um, what about if you and your wife decide to go on a vacation uh, somewhere, let's say, uh, to another state? Instead of California, you'd go to Arizona. And uh, you want to check out all the sights and sounds of uh, Phoenix. And there's museums and such like that. But you can't really afford a tour guide or a tour plan or anything else like that. But what you can do is you buy a Frommers or Let's Go Phoenix sort of book, which kind of tells you everything in a summary fashion. You pay 15 bucks for the book. And uh, you're enjoying everything. No, no, no. <laughs> Not so fast, my friends. You should have paid, or you could have paid, the, the value of that and, uh, to a tour guide. And therefore, you should be paying taxes the same way as though you had... Uh, hired the tour guide. Hired a tour Exactly right. So, and it doesn't stop there. <laughs> and what about valet parking, right? Sometimes I, I like to find valet... Uh, sorry, parking on the street... Um, and uh, perhaps, uh, perhaps uh, we're depriving the valet service of, of uh, the taxes that, or the government, of the taxes that the valet service would otherwise pay. Therefore, you are a, you know, you should pay taxes anyway for that. Do you understand? What How if logic you is? go on vacation, mm -hmm. but instead of staying a hotel, you have a friend. I think you have some relatives oh, in example. New York, for instance. Yep. So what if you stay in the city in their condo? Or, right. excuse me, co-op. Right, right. And now you're depriving the city of its local hotel taxes, as well as all the employees of the income they would have earned taxable income on. Oh, I like that. Oh, this is, yeah, because now we are incorporating state, local, and federal all in <laughs> one. Right. 
Or what, what about likewise? You, you, you have that friend, and that same friend has a card that you can borrow for the week that you're there. And you're depriving uh, all this income and therefore taxes to the government that uh, you, you would have paid to the taxis or Uber or whatever it might have been, right? Subway cards. And a lot of those are, unlike, say, income that goes, uh, say, to the taxis, fine, that a percentage goes to the government of taxable income. Um, when you don't use subways, that's direct money to the government. Yeah, that's right. Oh, so you should pay a subway fee on top of every trip. That you yes, pay. yes. And, uh, and, and we'll get to this as large a We're going to solve the deficit. <laughs> Um, but let, uh, here's some more examples, and then I want to talk to you about what the larger picture of this because that's it's always important. I mean, it's always it's always fun to gripe about this or that statement or this or that law, uh, but but we don't talk about things on the Bruckler podcast unless they have great significance one way or the other, and we think this has great significance, and we'll, we'll explain why. Uh, here's another example: the gardener, right? What if you, Ari, love what do you have? You have a green thumb, right? That, that's I the expression, do. right? And you love gardening, and you want to make fruit trees, and you tend to the garden. It's something that, that relaxes you after a hard day of work, and uh, you go out to the garden, take care of, you know, do the weeds. And it's just very cathartic for you. Not so fast, Ari David. Oh. You are depriving the gardener of the income, and that income would have been taxed, and therefore you should pay taxes as though you had paid a gardener. Okay. Um, so you see how, how easy this is. What about, you know, I, you and I are both parents. I love, one of the things I love to do with my children is to help them with their homework. It's good bonding time, of course. I like to read uh, bedtime stories to them before they go to bed. But not so fast, Ari or Barack. Um, you could have hired a tutor to oh teach these gosh, kids. right. I didn't even think about that one. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> one last one, because we can go on and on. Because right? only liberals wouldn't think it's awkward to have a tutor come into your house at 11 p.m. when you're putting your kids to sleep in their jammies right, right, and their exactly. skivvies yeah. to come in and do their reading to Winnie the Pooh. Oh, the, 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 the liberals are per- perfectly fine with you doing the bedtime reading. It's just that you have to pay for it. Yeah, they just don't want this person in their house. That's right. Well, no, no, I'm, no, you don't understand what I'm saying. It's, I, I, the, the, they're perfectly fine with you doing it. It's just that you have to pay for it, as though you had a tutor. As though, yeah. Okay, that's all. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, of course, the last one, and then we'll talk about the larger picture. Um, I like to cook. Okay, I'm, I'm, I enjoy it as as you enjoy gardening. I enjoy to cook. It's creative. I use my hands. I, I. It's a very different kind of process of work than than what I do as a lawyer, right? I like to gather the ingredients and try to see cool combinations of flavors and colors and vegetables. And uh, I can spend, you know, a good hour and a half just really enjoying the cooking process and then sharing my, my culinary product with my family and friends, right? <laughs> but no, no, no. <laughs> Apparently not. You, you could have gone to a restaurant, Mr. Lurie. You could have gone and, and you know... And then they would have earned income, and they would have in turn been taxed. You are depriving the government of its rightful taxable revenues it, by cooking for yourself. Right. You are so selfish, Mr. Lurie. Don't you know? Including the taxable income on the server's tips. Oh, yes, I forgot. So, you know, there's all those taxes, 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 and then there's the tax upon the tip and the tax. They don't stop. These yeah, li- they don't stop. And don't. you have just cheated them. Okay, so the whole point is it's... Uh, where does this end, of course? You don't have to stop with this argument. But as we always say, um, you can never accuse a liberal of thinking things through, right? 
these are obvious consequences. It was so easy to think about it, but they simply think, in, in the flat earth thinking that we, we've talked about before, they only think about that one particular item that they are looking at, and there's nothing else that may have a ramification associated with it. And it's not, it doesn't mean that they're stupid. It doesn't mean that they're bad people even, but it does mean that they are just engaged in pure tunnel vision or what we call flat earth thinking. They are unable to see the curvature of the earth and therefore conclude that the earth is flat, okay? Because uh, you and I are right now looking at a horizon. It looks, looks flat to me, but you, it, as you get you know, further and away, further, uh, higher and higher up to the sky, you begin to see the curvature of the earth and say, okay, well now, it, now I, I think I get it. But not so with the far left, not so at all. And this, of course, doesn't apply to all liberals. I, I get that. But it's, it's sad. It's sad that you can't see this one instantly. How absurd this argument is from Brosh, Josh, whatever, uh, from the New York Times. Did he even stop to think? I mean, he must have, because he, he, he wrote words on a page. It's not as if he blurted this out. You know, also, at some sort of cocktail party. Yeah, and also the mentality. It never occurred to him. And, and I, I want to make one quick point about your static and flat earth thinking in a minute. It never occurred to him that a human being in a free country is free to do things that don't have any relation to economic activity on occasion. Yeah. You know, on, uh, yes, economic activity intersects with our lives all through the day, from the barista to the movie theater to the parking lot to the job. Okay, fine. Right. But isn't there a couple minutes that are sacred that aren't, as they constantly say about Christmas, aren't marketed, aren't uh, advertisement, aren't pieces of commerce? Yeah. Isn't a mother spending time with a child at home any is at all out of the purview of government. And I think you hit a trifecta here because this is this is amazing. You've done an episode on flat earth thinking. Right. You've done an episode on static thinking. Mm-hmm. And you've done episodes on marginal thinking or the marginal arguments. This thing, this is a turkey. This is all three. <laughs> this is a hat trick. <laughs> yeah, and I right? agree. I agree. Well, thank you. But, you know, here, here's the point. Here's what I see from all this. Uh, this is a reflection of what government is, Right. And how government views us all. And uh, it views us as, as uh, taxing machines. You know, the, the, our obligation is to give them money. In fact, all the money we earn is their money except for the money they choose, the government chooses to let us keep. That, that's the way they view things. It's exactly the inverse of, of what it should be, right? Which is, it's my money and... And then, you know, we, the government, want this portion of it. That's the way they should look at it. But, of course, it's this, this article is a reflection of this attitude that that money doesn't belong to you. That, that not only that, but even the, even the work that, you, that, that, that does not generate income, per se, to you, we're still going to tax you as though it were. That's how absurd it is. It's, it's, it, it, it goes also, further. It says your time doesn't even belong to you. Yeah, that's true. It goes to the very core of what liberalism is and progressivism. And, and you brought up a very good point. It goes to the relation of family to society. Because you can only think this way if you have no idea of what the value of family, the, the core family is. That Then you can speak like this, right? <laughs> um, you speak economically like this. And it's, what's so funny about this, Ari, you know, so many of my liberal friends, my, especially my far-lefty liberal friends, 
There, I remember one, one gentleman once spoke to me and said, you know, it's not all about money, Barack. And I said, well, apparently, if it's not all about money, then how come you want to take my money all the time? Of course it's all about money for you guys. And now you're proving it over and over again. Everything's about money. Everything that liberalism is about. It's, it's just about how other people should pay you the money. But they, they don't talk. I, and then they say things like, well, we want more time for our children and more time to visit museums. And, and the response is, well, but the, the way you want that more, you're free to have that more time, but you want us to pay for that time so that you can then enjoy the benefits of going to the museum and, and not having to work as hard. It's all about money for you guys. And it's always about the old quote, it takes a village to raise a child, or as I like to pervert it for reality, it takes a village to burn a bridge. Um, it never occurs to this person that of discretion that there, or discriminatory decision-making that it might be a better thing instead of a worse thing that the mother herself of the child spends time with the child. It only occurs to them that, well, a child must be raised so someone will do it. Well, that's, that's the whole point that you had mentioned when you said that it reflects how um, the, the relation of the family to society, that it totally ignores this. It's, it's just as significant as uh, your coffee. Right, because in her, the title of that hideous book, It Takes a Village to Raise a Child, Hillary Clinton is lying. She, the word village isn't village. It's government. Yes, of course. Right? That's what she meant. And, yeah. and, and that's the way it is. One last thing about this point is that it, it's, it reflects also this incredible uh, viewpoint of how government wants you to, de to be dependent on government. Yes. It, it needs you to be that, that way. So you can't even, you can't even just stay at home anymore. Even if you can afford it, they can't stay it because they want you to, to pay as though you, were for an, you worked for a nanny or that you had a nanny. So it's once again another dependency issue. Yeah, and then the idea that they are impoverishing you or taking away your ability to be prosperous by hypothetically in their future ideal reality charging you taxation, all these points, is viewed as a good thing because the more prosperity they can deprive you of, means to them the more you need to utilize the services and offerings of government, which makes you more dependent on them, thus more likely to empower them. It's it's really... It's a vicious, you, it's a vicious cycle. Yeah, and you hit on something. <coughs> Isn't it interesting that every liberal idea is based on the extraction of money? They, it is the most greedy... Is That's the word. Yeah. It is the most greedy ideas. Uh, communism is greedy. T totalitarianism... At the, at the socialist level is greedy. Right. This type of quasi-socialism imposed on Americans right. is greedy. Right. I mean, it's greedy. An example right. of that is uh, a lot of my friends here who are on the left, or not even necessarily on the left, just people generally speaking, they, they speak with great fondness and, and appreciation for the European mindset that allows for a month of uh, automatic vacation for every employee. And isn't that wonderful? We should do that too, and and make that a law here. And I and I said to them, at, at whose expense? Is that, I mean, who, who's who's going to be paying that, that uh, for that vacation? Well, uh, I don't know. I said, well, you should know because the the employer is going to be paying for it. You mean for the lost time? You know, they can't get. No, it's not just that. You you expect him to pay for them for that vacation? Yeah, it's paid leave. It's, it's pay. It's it's paid always vacation. paid leave, always paid leave. 
And so not only does the employer not get the benefit of the work that the employee was, would otherwise provide, he also has to pay them as, as though they were working. It's, it's, it's just a double whammy. And they, they, it's all about money, about these things. And, and that's, this is what this article reflects. And this is why we, we wanted to make a whole podcast out of it, because it reflects the way a liberal will think. Now, we, you and I were just speaking to a mutual friend who is a liberal, Ari. And her point uh, was that, that she was a progressive. And she didn't know whether or not she supported this, this argument. And we said, listen, the very definition of being progressive is that you, you always are looking around for the, the next great cause to, to pursue. And it's not as if you, you will say, okay, now I've, I've reached, you know, I, I've, I've, we've resolved causes A, B, C, and X, Y, and Z, and we're good to go. Let's, let's, our society is now ready to function the way that we've always envisioned it, and all problems are solved. No, sir. It's not like that. You guys will always find some new thing that needs to be resolved, uh, that, that is that absolutely, that, that seems ridiculous to us today. You, you don't believe me? I'll give you an example. 30 years ago, if you were to talk about the notion of two men marrying each other, you, you'd laugh and you'd say, that just doesn't... It's that, idiotic. It makes no sense at all. Why would they even need to do that? And what's the purpose of that? And well, no one had that conversation at all. It was, it, it was, it was, but suddenly, it, not only is that conversation in place, but it's, it's a civil right, you understand. And it's, it's the happening. greatest, it's the greatest civil right, this debate since the 60s, don't you know? Never mind that we, no one talked about it for, like, for the, ever since the 60s until very recently. That's put, put aside that altogether. But I'm telling you, you will make, you on the far left, will find some sort of cause and make it a civil rights issue, and it'll be so important to you, and that you cannot function in society until issue X is fully resolved, and you don't even know what that issue is right now. I, I, and, I, and I can guarantee you, and I'll tell you why. Because all those who, who went in and had candlelight vigils you know, against Proposition 8, for example, or are, are supporting uh, gay marriage right now, they, they had no idea of, of that 20 years ago, 30 years ago. They, it didn't impact their lives whatsoever. Nobody was asking for it. Not even the gay community was asking for it. And all of a sudden, it, they're, they're sacrificing their, 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 their time and, and money to, on this issue, which, God bless them, if you want it, that's fine. Go for it. But you know, judicial intervention should not be the appropriate way, but it should be legislative, but that's another story. But don't tell me for a moment that this was this is a real serious issue. That's a civil rights issue. Give me a break. Yeah, but th this is why this is so important, and it's why the example that you just brought up of gay marriage is so prescient. Which is this: the way left the left works is some oddball that no one ever heard of, like this writer for the New York Times, will write an article like this. The same way Andrew Sullivan wrote the articles about gay marriages 20-some-odd years ago. And people will think, oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. But what they've done is they've planted seeds that they know will grow in some intellectual corners of, of academia and uh, some highfalutin intellectuals and some elitists who will then start parroting and repeating and giving momentum to this thing. So that yeah. in 15 years, 
boom, it happens. Right. And the, the people who are like you and I, not, not you and I because we've specifically talked about this one today and we're aware of it, but the people like you and I who are normal, it's just dumped on them. And so many of them react with, oh, well, I guess it's normal now. Of course, yeah, you're right. And they don't understand how it was spoon-fed to them. And right, it's, it's, the, it's the frog in the skillet situation, yeah. right? They, it's a slow burn. You don't even realize it's happening. Yeah. Um, and, and that's part of the reason. It's, you know, the tax code is such a good example of what you're talking about. The tax code is such a bizarre um, Byzantine or labyrinthian uh, code that constantly changes. And what happened in 1986 is that we radically simplified it, and then the more and more changes happen again. And we're basically back to the kind of same Byzantine, ridiculous, labyrinthian code that we once had before 1986. And, and you know, uh, we're talking yet again about simplifying it. But it, it's always this way. They talk about, you know, this need for more money. So they try to carve out a, a way that's somehow somebody's robbing the government of its natural due. Uh, whether that's by way of the nannies or the coffee baristas that we just talked about, and so on, this is the this is the world that we're in, and and I put it to you, Ari, and to our listeners, that the main reason why it's happening, why progressive progressivism itself happens, is because there is no structure, there's no standard upon which they they base their lives whatsoever. And, and they can't even answer what, the, what the, st- the structure that they expect out of it because it's an, it's an unmoored structure altogether. I'd invert it a little bit and say not only is there no structure, their very existence is searching for structures to destroy. Yeah. In this case, the sanctity of the pr- what happens in the private home. And then the irony, the same people who say the government has no business in a woman's private parts right. or the government has no business... Uh, enforcing what you do in the bedroom vis-a-vis sodomy laws or what a woman does with a man in the bedroom. And the same token then comes in and says on another issue, well, the government must be there to make sure when a woman consents, yes makes yes, means yes. Oh, I see. Uh, The government must come in to make sure something like this in this article doesn't go without paying its fair share of taxes. No, it's all a slippery slope. And And what happens at the end of the day is people just give up. They simply say, look, I surrender. Uh, we, I will just become part of the nanny state. I will do what you I will. Uh, I will only use condoms that are provided by the government. I will only check out library books that are provided by the government. I will only uh, use health services provided by the government. Uh, I will only uh, go to public schools that are provided by the government. Well, what you're saying is it makes such a good point because it's the end result of critical theory. Critical theory makes things so unworkable. Those who don't adhere to it or want critical theory, in the end, wind up giving up and giving into it anyway, because every structure has become so unworkable and ununderstandable, the only solution is to stop fighting, because both complying with it becomes the only solution, right. because fighting is too confusing. Uh, yeah, I think it's too confusing. It's just too complex. You know, look, this is part of the reason why we don't like regulations, is that it makes it so hard to conduct business altogether that people just say, okay, I'm not even going to venture into that business. I, I, I'm amazed that any company even wants to get into the oil business, for example. Uh, and, and maybe they're not getting into the business because it's so enormously complex. Uh, recently, for example, um, they're now trying to regulate Alaska in such a way that it, it makes it almost impossible for an oil company to even consider drilling there. They have to be such a huge organization to fight this and to comply with the regulations necessary. 
But that's the point, isn't it? And I, yes. think, I think that's part of the reason why, the, you know, maybe they, they do it intentionally or not, <clears throat> but it's so complex. Whether it's Dodd-Frank or Obamacare or otherwise, you just, you just surrender and you just say, I, whatever, what do you want from me? I'll just do it. Just, just stop. Just stop talking. Stop demanding things of me. Uh, I'll just go your way because you're making everything so complex for me to do it the way I would otherwise want to do it. And I surrender. And life's hard enough. I have to go to work. I have to earn a living. I have to pay my rent, pay my mortgage, raise my kids, pick them up. Just tell me what you want and do it. Fine. Right. That's the way it is yeah. in most socialist countries throughout Europe. Um, they, they just give up. You can see it in their faces. It's, it's an interesting thing. If you go to Europe, it's, people often talk about Americans being happy people. And it's true. We are. Uh, by and large, we're happy people. They, they, they kind of are surprised when Americans come to Europe and they say, hey, how you doing? And, you know, kind of a nice look to us in terms of our smile and such. Yeah, well, maybe we're the overbearing American, but, and maybe we're overweight and such. But from an attitude point of view, we're pretty open. We're pretty happy people. And Americans often come back and say, wow, those, those Europeans, they're pretty, uh, pretty um, curmudgeonly people. They're dour. The dour, yeah. And, and, and I, I think that's not quite right. I think they've just given up. I think they've surrendered. They have the look of, of, of people for whom the world has crushed their spirit. That's what it is. They are spiritless. We are spiritful, hopefully, and, and will remain so. They are spiritless. And it is the natural consequence of this inordinately, incredibly huge burden of regulations that is socialism, that socialism demands and requires and, and just squelches the life out of you. That's the reason why you see it. And this article, and this is how we'll wrap up, I suppose, reflects this attitude, this, this contemptuous attitude that government has of people, that the people belong to the government, as uh, one politician said famously recently that your money belongs to the government, that your essence is, is to serve the government. That's the way they think. And that's the problem. And that's what we must fight. I'm Barack Lurie. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk with you real soon. Let's do it.